When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. Today I'll be talking with Rachel Bailey. Rachel has a master's degree in clinical psychology, and she has a background working with teenagers and their families. She currently is a parenting consultant, so she works with parents to sort of hone in on areas that are challenging for them in their parenting. She has a lot of awesome insights in parenting teenagers, and what I love so much about her is that she has a very realistic perspective that she's very honest with that this is a lot of work and we're working on the parenting long game, not a Band-Aid solution, and that we make mistakes along the way. And so I love that she just keeps it real. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for joining me on The Family Brain today to talk about teenagers. I am happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I know you work with all kinds of different age kids and parents. Your role is coaching and guiding parents in where you're a consultant for parents. Um, What would you say are some of the biggest issues you hear coming your way for teenagers? And I know all kids are different. Every set of issues is different, but are there some like major themes that you're hearing about a lot? these days? For sure. So if I think about it, I work with parents directly these days. I used to work with teens. I was a therapist for teens, but I work more with parents. And what I hear, there are probably three main areas I hear from parents of teens. One is lack of motivation. Their kids aren't motivated to do schoolwork or are only motivated to be with their friends. So we have the whole area of motivation. Then there's, you know, my kids are only, you know, they want to be on their screens all the time. That's Mm -hmm. another really big one that I hear. And then there's the whole self-esteem and confidence piece. A lot of parents of teens are telling me that their kids are not as confident as they'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest things I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. What's interesting, as I hear you talking about that, I'm kind of thinking when you hear some of these things, and again, I know every situation is different. It, are some of these things, things we're bringing to the table as parents, like you're not as motivated as I want you to be, like based on what? And, and how do you, if that is the case, how do you then deliver that message? Because that can be hard to hear. Absolutely. And yes, I do think a lot of it is 
not all of it, but some of it is what parents bring to the table. Absolutely. Um, and so there's a concept that I teach called yuck. And, and yuck is basically a term I use to describe discomfort. And what happens is we as parents are in this place of yuck. And the way we handle it is that we put a lot of our feelings onto our kids. So yes, absolutely. It's our discomfort with how things are going. We want our kids to be a certain way and they're not that way. So we attribute some things to kids that maybe they aren't necessarily showing, although certainly kids are behaving in ways that are concerning. Um, and what I do is I really help parents understand that a lot of what they're seeing is related to their own anxiety or discomfort. Usually parents come to me about their kids' behavior, but within, I would say, a session or two, they realize that a lot of improvement will happen when they look at how they're feeling as a parent. Yeah, it's really an interesting. When I was working with families and a lot of teenagers, it's it's challenging sometimes because um, I think as adults, it's very easy to point the finger at the child. That's the problem. And that oftentimes it doesn't mean that the child is without any areas to improve or change, but usually it's a bigger picture issue than, and when, when you're talking about motivation, it's like the world is kind of hard these days. Like it's a kind of a hard to feel motivated when there's so many, I'm not trying to be negative. I feel like I'm hearing myself talk and I'm like, sound negative, but I just feel like it's a, it, the world can be kind of tough. And so what do you say to people in terms of like how to like moderate your expectations of what will be? Yeah. I mean, really, I help parents understand where their expectations are coming from. Mm. And is it really an, an effort to make themselves feel better? Or is it, are they really thinking about what's best for their child? And I will tell you that often when I was a therapist for teenagers, they would say, it's not my parents putting pressure on me. Sometimes the pressure is coming from peers. So it's not even that parents are necessarily always putting pressure on their mm -hmm. kids, but even when they're not, they don't know how to handle it when kids are anxious or when they're not motivated. That was another thing I see a lot of, I didn't mention is teens anxiety is mm -hmm. through the roof. Um, so they don't know how to handle it when a teen is anxious without trying to fix it or solve it. And so I help parents get to this place where they're not as anxious themselves so they can support their teens rather than going right to the fixing place. Cause the fixing mm. isn't actually helpful for anyone. It's not helpful for the teen. It's not helpful for the parent. Yes. I was uh, sort of, uh, hyper focusing on my, one of my kids grades the other day, cause he hadn't turned something in and whatever. And, um, he was going, mom breathe in through your nose and out because and out through your ears and he, it was just the funniest thing because I was like okay I get it like chill out he's like I got this like yeah it's okay yeah um, but that was kind of funny um well, good so, for, him for being able to do that yeah he is he's funny it was a very good it kind of switched the the moment into something a little bit more laughable and made me kind of call myself out a little bit in in the path I was going down Absolutely. That's quite impressive. He can use that skill in many relationships if he has the ability to do that. That's great. Yeah, he's cute. Um, and one of the things I was reading about with your practice is that you really focus on the longer term solution versus this band-aid approach. Can you say more to what brought you to that perspective and, and what you're seeing in terms of the band-aid versus the long term? 
Yes. And in fact, I'm just, it's so funny. I'm just about to launch a podcast myself called okay. The Parenting Long Game. It's in like two weeks, it's coming out. And that's right. exactly what I focus on is the difference between band-aid parenting, which most of us are doing, and it's depleting and exhausting and ineffective versus long-term parenting. So the way I define band-aid parenting is number one, focusing on changing behavior on the surface instead of understanding what's under the behavior. So if a child is not motivated, we're like, what can we do to motivate them? Instead of saying, why isn't my child motivated? And I know we try to get that out of our kids. Why aren't you motivated? We ask them, but often we ask them with a lot of judgment. So they don't necessarily know why they're not motivated. And when we are judging them, they're certainly not incentivized to figure out why they're not motivated. So first, again, is band-aid parenting is about really trying to change the behavior without looking at what's under the behavior. The second quality of it is that we're doing a lot of in-the-moment parenting. Like once a child didn't do their homework, trying to fix it in that moment instead of there are a lot of things we can do more proactively that actually take a lot less energy. So it's, again, looking under the behavior, not parenting so much in the moment. And the third piece is we're doing a lot of parenting from our own discomfort. We're anxious, we're tired, we're exhausted, and that's how we're making parenting decisions. Mm-hmm. So long-term parenting is about understanding what's under the behavior, doing things more proactively, and not parenting from a place of our own yuck. Yes. So it's a lot, but that's, that's the answer. A lot. That's really what I focus on parent, parents on. It's funny because I'm going to get this off a little bit, but I saw this book this morning that I was like, this is the book I need to read because it was something, it was something like the answer to, to being less stressed out as a parent is to do less. Oh, like, I mean, that, I think it was called like do less or, or do nothing. I don't know what it was, but yes, just that we're, I was telling one of my kids' teachers that the technology we have now to keep track of what their grades are and what, you know, oh, they didn't turn this in. And it doesn't sort of allow for this natural corrections to take place. And it's tough because it's just because we have these resources, it can sometimes, I have been wondering, should I actually be using them? You know, or... And it does create a lot of anxiety in parents, which then they transfer onto kids. Yeah. The fact that it's so accessible to us. I mean, my parents had no idea what my grades were. Right. Until the report card came, right? And then it was like, drum roll, like, you know. Exactly. So it does create so much anxiety and the tension actually really impacts kids, whether they do lose their motivation because they think they're never enough for their parents. Or what I also see is a lot of kids become perfectionists. Too, to prevent, you know, all the anxiety in themselves and from their parents. Right. And that's also not so healthy. That's almost right. as bad as not being motivated is being over-motivated and trying to be a perfectionist. Yes. It's very interesting. I love, that's why I love like good, honest conversations with other parents who are having different issues because it kind of makes you realize like we're all sort of on this journey and the journey looks different. You know, actually this woman I know just said, oh, I'm on the roller coaster over here. And I, I feel like we're all on sort of our own and, and, how do you go through that ride without freaking out, you know? That's or, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. When I work with parents, everybody wants to work with me individually, but I always encourage groups for that reason. You need oh, to be yeah. the only one struggling. Mm-hmm. You need to hear that other parents are going through it and nothing is as perfect as it looks on social media. Social media has been just really difficult for parents to, to be able to handle. Yes, I know. It's, it's, it's always interesting too. Like what you were saying about social media, I just was talking to a friend and she was telling me it's about some stressful moments in her like extended family vacation. And 
I was like, that's funny because you look at Instagram and it looks like it is, I looked literally, and I don't do this a lot, but I looked at it and I was like, why can't we get along like that? You know? And it wasn't real. I mean, it it was just made me feel, it honestly made me feel more connected to her and just more at peace with my own stuff. Yeah. It is interesting. And that's a really, I try to have really honest conversations. I have a Facebook group called, and I feel like I'm saying all my products. I'm not trying to do that. I would love it. That's what we're here for. It's share resources. Um, My Facebook group is called Let's Be Real About Parenting. Where all we talk about is what parenting is really like, because I think that's so clinically, I think it's really important for parents to be talking about what parenting is really like. It's almost like the the opposite of social media. Like, Mm. let's be real that parenting, sometimes we resent our kids. Sometimes we're depleted and we just, you know, want to say, leave me alone. We have to be able to talk about that. Yes. What's the woman's name? Do you follow the woman who's, she's a comedian. I think she's Australian and she always redoes um, models pictures. Like she does like, have you seen this? No. I'm going to have to find it and put a link to it. What is her name? Something Barber, I think, but she, she's hilarious. And she takes these like kind of ridiculous model poses where everything just looks too creepily perfect and she redoes them and it's it's pretty funny i'll send you i'll send you a link for it oh yeah definitely that's what we need to be doing though we need to be calling out what real is versus what airbrushed literally and metaphorically what is airbrushed and what is real yes no i love that so i am personally and selfishly interested in your um your approach to managing screen time for kids and kids that are drawn to that i'm always a little bit envious of families were like my kids just don't seem to be that into it like they could take it or leave it I'm like well isn't that nice (laughs) exactly so what what is your what is your take on how to manage this in this world yeah specifically with teens is that what you mean yes with teens where you kind of they're getting older and you want to give them some 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 control you know and honestly this is how they all connect with each other. My son's in middle school and he wanted AirPods. And I look around and I'm like, it's so sad to me that all these kids have this stuff stuck in their ear. But it's all of them. It is. So what, what do you do? I mean, yeah. not literally all. I'm sure people will be like, my kid doesn't. But a lot of children have them in their ears. And- I think it's more common than not. Yes. Yeah. To have that. So there are a couple of things I always say about teens and screens. I've done entire you know, workshops on this. So number one is... For teens, it's not realistic to say you can only be on your device, you know, until a certain time. What I always recommend is have a non-screen time. Instead of giving, um, you know, a time where you have to get off mm. or a certain amount, you, you can't say to a teen, you can only be on for three hours a day because then they can't do their homework and they can't, they do feel really disconnected. I encourage families to create a non-screen time mm. where the entire family is off, not just the Ooh, teen. Ooh, that's good. The entire family. And to make it a consistent time so that teens learn how to plan their time around non-screen time. Because it's a really good lesson. They're about to often go away from the home. And they need to know how to plan to not be on screen sometimes. Right. So it gives them that opportunity. It gives them the opportunity to cope with not being on screens. So just saying our screen-free time as a family is, you know, Sundays between two and four. And mom and dad model that as well because it's just as hard for us. Right. It is for them. Yes, and then the is. other thing that I really recommend with teens and screens is I always say what teens need the most of is respect and age appropriate control. So when you're creating this non-screen time, you can actually say to them, we're going to have a non-screen time, but I really want your input about when it should be. And I want to know what it's going to be like for you 
to have this non-screen time. Because whenever we actually take the time to care about our teens' perspective, that's when they start to listen to us more. Mm-hmm. We, we very often don't respect their point of view. We're trying to cram our point of view down their throats while we mm-hmm. still can. Um, so it's really about that non-screen time and giving them respect and some age-appropriate control. I love that. I love how that sort of flips the script. It reminds me almost about um, sort of the the non-dieting food approach too. Like if you make something taboo, this is, you know, no screens, nothing. It, it makes kids sometimes want it all the more, you know? And I like exactly. this approach of, yeah. It, and I think I see that in my family where it can just feel like almost hoarding. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is that even if we, um, you know, if, if we say you can't have screens at home, they're always going to be smarter than we are, our generation especially, because we're, you know, we're natives to their worlds, really. So they're always going to be able to figure out how to get around us, mm-hmm. how to create their separate Instagram accounts that we don't know about. Right. The things that, you know, they do this stuff. So it's better to actually teach them how to be able to control themselves versus just putting all these limits on it that they're going to mm. understand anyway. Yes, I like that. Um, that was one of the things that was with these new AirPod things, like all of a sudden we'll be talking. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, are, are you still there? You know, cause he's in the car. And, um, and it's been interesting, the conversation just around like etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. like that you can't just pop them in and, you know, disengage. Um, so it's, it's been a learning process for me. Cause to me, that's just, of course, like I wouldn't be talking to you. And then all of a sudden be like, mm, exactly. Um, they're a different generation and it is, it is totally normal for them because that's what they do with their friends. And, and, you know, they could be sitting next to each other, you know, this and, and talking on their phones, even though they're next to each other because yes. they're part of a group chat or something. Yeah. So it's totally normal for them. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I really, really like that approach and I'm going to implement that ASAP because I feel like we need, it's just interesting how as kids get older, it all starts to go very quickly. And I can, I can really relate to parents of teens where I don't have a teenager officially yet, but we're kind of right on our way. And I just feel like all of a sudden it's coming at me real fast. And I feel like I'm not as prepared as I wish I was. Yeah. And I, I, so I can really understand how it can feel overwhelming and it would be useful to have a resource. Um, what, how do you encourage parents to, take this information back to their kids, like what they're learning from you. Um, how, how do you, how do you suggest they bridge that? So it doesn't stay. Yeah. One of the first things I always recommend that parents do is actually just go to their kids and ask for their perspective. Mm. So let's say they're trying to fix a motivation issue, a homework issue, starting with their team by saying, you know, I realized I've never asked you what it's like to write an English paper. What mm. is it like for you? And just start to get into their teen's world instead of saying, hey, I just talked to a parenting expert and now we're going to have new rules. Like that doesn't work. Right. You just want to start like, give me her name. I'm going to slam her on social media. No. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's really just um, starting to show your kids that you care about their point of view. One of the things I tell parents all the time is to ask your kids about something they know you don't care about. So like parents, I always say when I'm doing, I do a lot of public speaking. And I say this when I'm in front of people, I say, throw, put away your tomatoes. I don't want you to throw them at me right now. But my advice to you is if your kids like Fortnite, ask them about Fortnite. Yeah. Don't tell them all Fortnite. Like that's what I don't care about. And he knows I don't care about, but 
Exactly yes. right. Because when you take the time, especially when they know you don't care, what the message underneath that is, I don't care about Fortnite, but I care about you. Mm. So I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah. And when we show kids that we don't devalue the things that matter to them, that we actually value what matters to them, that's when they, that's what improves the relationship. It's not, you know, it's, it's important to be strict and firm with kids, but really the way you get them to listen to you is to respect them. Yeah. That's what I feel like we're just starting to enter that phase where, you know, people will talk about the key is the connection and the relationship. And when they're little, little, you kind of, I mean, it, it, it it's, I think it's important then too, but it's not like you're dealing with a child versus dealing with someone who has, um, is gaining independence and you can have these choices where do I force them or do I keep the relationship and really listen and hear what they're saying? And it is not easy. It's not because they're not always making the best choices, Mm -hmm. but to your point, they can go out in the real world and make choices without you now. Mm -hmm. And when they were little, little, like you said, they couldn't do that. Now they can. And it's even more important that relationship is strong because that's a bigger predictor of, you know, self-esteem is a bigger predictor of behavior than almost anything else. So you want them to have, you want to have this relationship where you're showing them that they value, that you value them, that they matter, that you Mm -hmm. respect them. That's when they start to respect themselves and make better choices when you're not around. Yes. That's great. What about, um, what are you seeing in terms of differences between struggles with boys and girls? Do you notice big differences in some of the things? So what are some of the, the girl issues that come your way? So I would say, even if we go back to that motivation piece, Mm -hmm. boys tend to be not motivated. They turn to the electronics, they turn to the friends, they turn to the sports, they turn to those things. Girls tend to become the perfectionists. Girls will say, well, um, I'm going to do even better, even more. And I'm going to be perfect at everything. I'm going to be involved in a, a number of different activities. So instead of being under-motivated, they're over-motivated mm. to compensate. That's a big gender issue that I see. Hmm. That's interesting. It's, um, I have two boys and one daughter. And so it's, and the oldest one is a boy. And so it's, I, it's always helpful for me to hear about what's coming down the pike and sort of what, what adventures lie ahead. Um, yeah. No, it's, I feel like one of the things that's really reassuring to me in all of the stuff that you're saying is that it doesn't have to be super complicated. And I think that's the part that trips me up. And I think, I mean, like you're saying with the type A girls, I mean, that's me. That's me. Like, I'm going to be even better. Okay. I got to read. I got to listen to podcasts. I got to, and really, if you go back to the relationship and what, and and the unique relationship with your child, because it's not going to look the same as your friends. And I think that's really tricky because I kind of want to call someone and just say, what's the recipe? Like step one, step two, but it's very unique to each family and to each individual child in your family. Absolutely, that is the case. And that's very uncomfortable for us as parents. And this goes back to what we were saying before, because it is very different for each child. And you have three children, it's going to look different for all of them. Mm. That makes us feel out of control and like it's complicated, but it's really not. It really is about seeing your child for who they are, pushing them out of their comfort zone and supporting them through it. That's really what it's about. One of my best, one of the best people I know has older children. And it's interesting to me how that anxiety starts to dial down when they've gone through. So their youngest is now a teen. And um, it gives me hope that I will, you know, dial it down as things progress and not transfer the, and I, I don't find myself to be extremely anxious about it, but I think there's just a lot of bad press about teens. 
There is. Absolutely. And I but think it's like the, the phenomenon where the reason there's a lot of bad press is because it's not that it's happening all the time. It's that people are interested in reading it. Mm-hmm. So it's not that every, every team is bad or every team is like that. It's just that we see a lot about it. And when we're in the phase of raising teams, we see a lot about it. So, but, right. but yeah, it's, there are a lot of teams that are really in a good place. There are. Um, so what if you um, were going to go back and talk to your teenage self no. Assuming your teenage self would maybe listen to you, um, what can you think of? What kind of message you would want to carry back to her? For sure, I was a people pleaser, and I had to grow out of that. So I would definitely say, don't worry so much about what people think of you. Be true to yourself, because you will get a lot further. Even with other people, you'll get a lot further being true to yourself. Yes, caring so much about what other people think. Yeah. And it's so tricky because it is part of the journey. I asked the same question to another um, person I interviewed and she made the point, I, my teenage self would have rolled her eyes and walked away at whatever stuff I was selling, you know? So it's just, it's tricky. Your brain is different now and the journey is, and it's probably why you can help people so well is because you've gone through the journey. That That's have. exactly right. Like you ha- I had to have gone through what I did to be able to give that advice. So I almost feel like, maybe another piece of advice I would give parents or even myself is stop preventing the discomfort. Stop trying to make it so much more comfortable. You have to go through the tough times to actually learn. And I think as parents, that's another thing we do is we try to make everything good and smooth and easy. That's not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting, I feel, is to teach our kids to handle discomfort and for, our, for us to learn to handle discomfort mm. instead of just trying to make everything easy because we have to go through those tough times. To right. be the we do. And I think it's, it's, I think there's this idea out there that you better be, have your stuff as the parent all worked out before you have kids. Cause then you're going to pass it to your kids. Well, it's virtually impossible because you almost don't know what your stuff is. I mean, you, you might have some sense of some, but I feel like nothing has been as big of a teacher to me as my kids. And so I guess I just want to put that message out there. If you're feeling like, you know, you, you don't know what your stuff is is and and that's it's part of the 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 process I guess that is needed and it's part of the deal exactly I love that you said that it is part of the deal to to be questioning ourselves and to be confused it's part of parenting no one's gonna escape unscathed honestly Mm -hmm. so it's just really being able to handle that and one of the things that I really stress with parents is I teach tools to handle the discomfort because you have to stop try to make things more comfortable, learn mm-hmm. how to handle the discomfort. And that's ultimately what, what builds confidence in kids too. Confidence in kids doesn't come from, I'm good at everything. Confidence comes from, I can handle it when I'm not good at things. Mm. And ultimately that's what parents need to learn too. Yes. Oh, it's a lot. Well, I love all that you are talking about. Is there anything that you were hoping that I'd ask you about that we haven't talked about? I don't think so. I think the key is just to remember that some of it is about our stuff and learning how to handle our stuff and becoming more comfortable with the discomfort is a big part of this. And it doesn't have to be so complicated. I teach parents a few tools and they just feel a lot better. I love that. So what are the best ways for people to find you if they're wanting your support or want to look at the resources you offer? So uh, my website is rachel-bailey.com. That's probably the easiest way to find me. I'm on Facebook at um, Facebook forward slash Rachel Bailey Parenting. Um, And then I have that free Facebook group as well called Let's Be Real About Parenting, although that might change 
because like I said, I am launching my podcast in two weeks to the end of September. Um, so that is your parenting long game and my Facebook group might change to that, but that's where you'd find me. Yeah. Very exciting. I love all that you're doing. Thank you so much for talking with me. I feel very encouraged by this conversation. Good. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. I hope you enjoyed listening to Rachel Bailey. I thought she had such great insights and just, it's cool how you can talk to someone and sort of shift your way of thinking about a situation you have in your own life. So I really appreciated that. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you shared it with a friend. And I hope you listen to our next episode coming up as we continue this series on parenting teenagers. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.